It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Baby. It is Russ Johnson. It's all connected at RussJohnson.com. Welcome back to another interview. Well, my guest today was Jenny Mannion. She is an interesting person. She really is. I enjoyed this conversation so much about the Akashic Records. You know, she has a lot of skills. She's a Life Path Focus reader. She is an Akashic reader. She does energy work. She mentors. She's an author. She has two books out. The first, A Short Path to Change, 30 Days to Transform Your Life. And also, she has Intuitive Insight, A Guide to Intuition, Dreams, and Meditation. And she's also a popular blogger and speaker. She really helped me understand a little bit deeper about how the Akashic Records work, how to access them. And in fact, she's taking me on a journey next week, which I will share my experience with you right here. So the Akashic Records. Some of you might be asking, well, what the heck is that? Well, if you think about it like a big storybook that the universe keeps, that's the way many describe it. It's a storybook that has every single thing that has ever happened in the past, present, and even some things that might happen in the future. They're described like a library where everything is kept. And man, is it fascinating to talk to people who say they can access these records. They also say you and I can do it. What I delve into is trying to understand what she's seen when she's accessing these records and what we can learn from it. So here it is. My conversation with Jenny Mannion when I asked her how it all got started. Whew, that's a little roundabout story. So I, after healing, I really uh, wanted to learn more and more and started a blog and started to get all this information. And I wound up like putting a book. I put, I put so many books on my wish list. I didn't even remember. I was like you, like, I just want to learn more and more, like more information. Okay. Let me back up just a little bit more then let's back up way up before that, before you started the blog and all that stuff as a child, how were you brought up? Were you brought up any particular religion or were you non-religious or what? I was not, although I did go to Catholic school from second to sixth grade. Uh, I grew up in Manhattan so on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, my dad was very much about the education and he didn't think the local public school was good enough. So he sent me to a Catholic school, even though they weren't really, they weren't religious by any means. Uh, my mom had also gone to Catholic school, but she was not a religious person. They really wanted me to decide for myself what resonated with me, what, you know, what I, what my belief system was, but I was in Catholic school from second to sixth grade with priests and nuns and the whole, whole lot. Wow. Well, I wonder <laughs> what they would say about you now. Look at you. I know. Right. So, I mean, um, what age were you when you finally started getting a, a grip on what you did believe? I think it went, it definitely was something I, I guess I had some experiences younger when I was younger. I had an astral travel experience, although I really didn't know at the time what it was. But then actually in high school, I started reading about astral travel and becoming very interested in that. So, and I did believe in kind of in ghosts and that we weren't 
this wasn't it, that there was more. But, you know, being a teenager in New York City, there were more important things, I thought, at the time to focus on, like clubbing and being with friends. And well, That's interesting because, like, when you have an experience like astral projection mm-hmm. and you've never had it, you didn't initiate it, it just kind of came from out of nowhere. Seems to me like you would be so intrigued by that that you couldn't do anything else. I was, and then I started to try to do it on purpose. There, in New York City, there was a, there's a learning annex where you can take these classes either for one time for a couple hours or a couple weeks. And I remember my dad dropping me off at one as a teenager, and I couldn't do it. You know, and as a teenager, you know, again, your attention spans a little short. There's a, a lot of other things to focus on. I see. And I think after a couple times of trying it and not being able to do it consciously, I even, you know, I got a couple books on it. I kind of gave up, you know, I was like, oh, I, that must have been a freak thing and really just took my focus away. There were too many other things to focus on. How many times have you astral traveled? It's been a handful of times. It's something that I still intend to hopefully get back to more. It's been an interesting part of my life. It's definitely something I recommend to other clients too. One of the things in the Akashic Records that I do, I know we'll get to that, is talk about certain dream specializations. And I have clients that are dream masters and they have an easier time learning lucid dreaming and astral projection. I've studied both. I've had both experiences. They're very different from one another. I'm fascinated by both. Uh, But go ahead. Let me tell you my story. I did too. I tried to, I went through a training on mind Valley and she was, she was a fantastic uh, teacher. Was that Jade Shaw? It was. Awesome. Yeah. And lucid dreaming is taught by Charlie Morley, her ex-husband. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is it over at Mind Valley as well? He sure is. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll check it out. Well, let me tell you my experience. So, and maybe tell me if this is even in the realm of what this really is, because I didn't, I wasn't able to do it, but I had two uh, occasions where something really interesting happened. And one was as I was going through the training, she was um, just kind of telling us, you know, what to do. And I heard um, it's like it was someone in a basement on, on these old, like old school computer type microphones, that big, long straw looking thing is what it sounded like. It was kind of, and he went, I could just hear him ruffling around. Then all of a sudden he went, Hey, <laughs> and I was like, why would they put that in this recording? That's weird. And I have these earbuds. I mean, they actually go inside my ear. So it was nothing outside of me. It was yeah. crystal clear too, as real as anything I heard. And I thought, well, that's maybe they're just prepping us so that when, you know, when we actually start having these experiences, I'm not shocked by it well i went back to it the next day to the same same portion of that training and that sound hey, was not there wow so I'm like, wow okay okay that's man that was as real as anything i've ever heard and it was it's not in the recording so that was odd so she also taught us how different techniques like to how to roll out of our body yes and one of the techniques though was in the to wake up in the middle of the night around three o'clock in the morning stay up an hour and go back through this induction that she would lead us in. And, you know, then it should help to um, induce the ability to, to exit the body and do a little astral travel. So I went through this little exercise, got up in the middle of the night, stayed up an hour, went back to sleep after I listened to this induction. And I had the most vivid dream. At least I guess it was a dream that I've ever had as real as anything I've ever experienced. But I'm standing out back with a friend of mine, and all of a sudden, 
listen, by the way, you know, she teaches to have an intention why you want to yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. Right. So my intention is to meet my guides. I want to meet who my guides are. So I'm in the backyard with my buddy and all of a sudden this triangle UFO hover right up over me and my body starts shaking and all of a sudden I woke up. It scared me. I'm back in my body again. I was like, oh my goodness. That was about as real as anything I have ever experienced. Does this sound like I was on the verge of having some type of experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first one definitely sounds like astral projection. The second one, I don't know if that was astral travel or lucid yeah. dreaming because the dreams can seem so real. Uh, I'll share like one of my first astral projection experiences, not when I was a teenager, as an adult, when I was trying to astral project. And it was it was interesting because I think I had tried it for like a month and I had just kind of given up on it again. I was like, ah, I guess it's not having like I was I would find part of my body coming out part of my hand or something, but I wasn't able to leave my body. So there was one night I was married at the time and I got up to go to the bathroom, came back and I heard this noise, music like really loud from, I thought coming from downstairs. So I'm like kind of nudging my husband, like, Hey, your phone's making noise. Hey, Hey, you know, get up. Your phone's making noise. Your phone's playing this music. And he wasn't waking up. And usually he would wake up and I was like, you know, kind of annoyed and like, oh, why is that so loud? It's so loud. You know, it's so weird that it's so loud and it's such weird music. It's not typical music that he would listen to. It's like classical, but weird sounding. Mm-hmm. So I think I tried to wake him up again. He wouldn't get up. So then I go to get out of bed and suddenly I'm on the ceiling and <laughs> I'm above my body. The music's louder. And because I wasn't consciously trying to do it, I was flipping out a little bit because what occurred to me was it felt more real than reality. Like the colors were more vibrant. The sound was louder. I could, you know, see my body. And I just, I honestly, it was like fear kicked in and I slammed back down into my body and I woke up, you know, woke up my husband. He was like, I mean, I hadn't touched him. I guess I was touching him with my astral body, you know, so explains why he wasn't waking up. There wasn't, you know, there was no music playing. Uh, I was astral projecting. The other time that I got out of my body and did it consciously, I'd actually met with uh, a teacher of astral projection. He said, because of the type of personality I had, that he didn't recommend the rolling out or the rope technique, that he actually recommended me imagining myself at the foot of my bed. And really seeing my body. So I did that. And the first night I tried that, I did it. And he's like, first time you do it, just get out of your body, walk around yourself, you know, just, and that's the hardest thing about astral projection to me is they're like, don't flip out, just stay calm when you're out of your body, you know, and there's always this either excitement or fear. I, I certainly get that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I can feel that little trembling. It's like sometimes it gets to where I can't hardly breathe, it seems like. And then that trembling, it, it shocks me back into my body. And I think that's why I haven't been so yeah, successful. Yeah. That yet. one time I did get up and I walked around my body. I looked at my body and I remember being like, okay, I'm going back in now. And I went right back in and I was like, woohoo, I did it, you know? But that was only really my only like successful time. The other t- one time I woke up and I rolled out and there was like a being next to me. So I rolled back in, you know, so there definitely is that like training the brain not to react in fear, not to react even in excitement, which that's pretty hard. What do you think that is? What do you think that, 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 what are you accessing when you do that? 
I think you're accessing another state of consciousness. You know, your consciousness is actively leaving your body, just like they talk about out-of-body experiences. You hear about someone being worked on in surgery. They're above their body. They see everything. They, they can tell you what music the doctors were listening to, the conversations they had when they were under anesthesia, or people that are in an accident and leave their body. I think it's that same kind of thing. I mean, your consciousness is outside your body in this astral realm, but what I think what blew me away was it seemed, again, it seemed more real than reality, which that's such a weird thing to say, but it was, there were so many more things that felt real. Like the colors were vivid. The sounds were more vivid and extreme. And I think that's what scared me because I think that in theory, I just thought, oh, it'd be like a ghost-like version of myself floating around and it wouldn't really feel, I'd feel like half there but it feels real. It feels very real. As you when know, you came back consciously. Did you, would you find it easy to get back into the body? Yes. I, I really feel like as soon as you put your attention back on your body, you're in. Do you think there's like any danger of doing that? I think that, you know, we're very, we're very powerful beings. And I think if you go in with a lot of fear, you might attract things to be afraid of. Like I, obviously that being next to me, I don't know if it was going to, you know, a, a nasty or negative being or anything, but I reacted in fear, you know? So I don't think there's real danger except maybe scaring ourselves silly, you know, but, um, yeah, I would really, I really want to get to someone. I would love to have, uh, find someone, maybe, you know, them that could actually, uh, be able to explain this, uh, this astral travel stuff to a 10 year old. Yeah. I really like it. And that's what I hope to get from you today about the Akashic records. So let's talk about that now. How did you learn to access these records? So I did learn through a teacher, uh, as I mentioned after, like after healing myself, I really dove into how did I do that? The mind body connection, which led me to spirituality. It led me to energy healing. And when I took a class in reconnective healing, I started, so it was an energy healing modality off body. I started getting messages from my clients and I was you know, I was excited, but I was also a little off put because I was like, where are these messages coming from? Are they coming from their subconscious? Are they coming from a, a, a being of light? Are they coming from a negative being? Like, I didn't know whether to trust the information I was getting. And when I had originally started uh, blogging about different kinds of ways to heal yourself, I there was a small spiritual community then. It was like 20, you know, 20 years ago. So the spiritual bloggers really knew each other and a bunch of them had gotten Akashic record readings done. And I didn't know if I believed in it or not. I really didn't know if I believed in past lives or not. But these were people that I trusted and they were all saying they had mind-blowing experiences. So I was like, oh, what the heck? You know, I'll get one done. And that reading really transformed my life. It It really... It told me that I would be an energy healer. It told me things about my life that no one could have known before. And after about a year of doing the energy healing work, I wanted to find out how to access truth and know it was truth. And it led me back to studying Akasha Gregor reading with the teacher, Andrea Hess. She has a program called Soul Realignment where she's trained. I mean, she's trained thousands and thousands of people. Uh, Cause that was, you know, I think about over 15 years ago that I took my first class in it. So yeah, it's, she does a great job at making it very like 3d, like, okay, you know, you're working on your intuition, but I had a pendulum that yeah. I used because it was, 
it was like my uh, safety net because I was like, am I making this stuff up? You know, not really trusting myself. Is it intuition? Is it just I'm making this stuff up? Yeah. And let's touch on that in just a moment. What what exactly, though, are the Akashic Records? As someone who's never heard of this, what, how would you explain it? They're the record of our soul through lifetimes and not just our soul. They're the record of, because I do property clearings to every energy through lifetimes. So say we incarnate with some of the same family members every lifetime to learn different life lessons, maybe in different roles, different prime players in our life are usually in our soul group. And we choose to have experiences with them again and again and again, not maybe not every lifetime, but they come and go. Uh, We, because of these uh, energetic relationships, there can be karma, there can be contracts, there can be hooks and cords. I mean, that can even be from this lifetime. You know, we get into a relationship with someone negative and they're actually like kind of hooked to us or corded to us where they're depleting our energy. So you go to the Akashic Records to kind of find out about your lifetimes before, about yourself at soul level, maybe your soul specializations. As I was mentioning before, the Dream Master is a soul specialization and to actually ask for some clearing. You, know, you could ask for clearing and healing in the Akashic Records. We've- Give me an example of a really good question. To ask in the Akashic Records? Yeah. Uh, what is your soul group at origin? What is, oh, you find this one interesting, you know, what at origin are you male, female, or androgynous? Because we incarnate as men and women, and eventually when our soul has lived enough lifetimes as both and and learned enough, we become more androgynous in nature, having balanced the masculine and feminine. Uh, primary life lessons, another great question. What did I sign up to learn this time? You know, what, what what is my primary life lesson? You know, it can be something like peace, but it can also be something like uh, understanding, like a person that really wants to understand something. It could be something like resilience. And that person is given a million opportunities in their lifetime to learn resilience. When you're looking at these records, what do you feel and what do you see? It really depends on your gifts. You know, what psychic gifts are the strongest for you? There are so many. There's clairvoyance, clairaudience. So you can see, you can hear. For me, it's more clear cognizance and clairsentience. So I sense and know stuff, which for me, I think that's like, it's always been a little bit of a struggle because again, in my head, I'm like, am I making this stuff up? You know? And if I hadn't done like thousands of these readings where everyone's like, wow, how do you know that? That's exactly, you know, my experience this lifetime. I really did doubt myself a lot. I think for me, Claire clair, clairvoyance, you know, where you're seeing things and Claire audience where you're hearing things. I've had experiences with both. It makes it almost a little more real, but you have to lean into whatever your psychic gifts are, you know, and really just start trusting your intuition and the way that you receive information. So I do have a feeling of the energy really shifts when I go to the Akashic Records. It's like this unconditional love, <laughs> kind of like that you don't really experience that much on the earth plane. And it's a very, it's just a beautiful, loving energy. So it feels like a very safe place to ask these questions, to get this information. Are you actually looking at a, like a, a tablet or is it an energy? You're like, when you, it sounds to me almost as if you're intuitively downloading an energy that has information or are you, is it like that? Or is it like you can 
I've heard it. Some people say they can actually see something in front of them as if they're in a different room. Yes. So, you know, when I take people on, sometimes I will take people on a guided journey to the Akashic Records. I'll do a meditation where they really relax their body. I'll take that, I'll ground them into the earth. And then we go, you know, go up, you know, up, we always assume, you know, it's up in the sky somewhere. It's easier for people to visualize that and really imagine it like this huge library or museum. And, you know, you have like a room or an area that's just for you with your guides. And some people, because I, because people do have different psychic gifts, I really take them through every aspect. Some people will see it. Some people will hear the voices of their guides. Some people will see either a screen or a big book. It really isn't, it's really up to the person how they perceive that information. For me, I, again, I know (laughs) it's more this knowing the information comes in so quickly. It's almost like I couldn't make it up. (laughs) Um, It'd be really hard for me to make this stuff up. Uh, I'd have, I'd probably get in my head too much. And I guess that's the easiest part for me is to recognize, okay, it's just coming in. So I'm just getting it. Um, But yeah, there are people that see, there are definitely people that see beings there. You know, I have a feeling of them with me, but uh, there are some of my clients I've taken that see them very clearly. How was this different from channeling or receiving information psychically? I don't really think it is. I really think of the Akashic Records almost like a big database. You know, uh, when you're channeling, I think you're tuning into maybe a specific energy. Same kind of thing. I mean, you're tuning into the energy of the Akashic Records and asking your guides for support to download truth. Do you think this is considered the, like Christians would call the book of life? Yes, absolutely. Same thing? Same thing. Do you know when it began, when, when how it was discovered that we have access to these records? It has been mentioned, like you said. I mean, Book of Life, it's been mentioned throughout all different religions throughout time. Edgar Cayce was definitely amazing. Very, um, very cool. You know, with, he was called the Sleeping Prophet, and he would kind of go mm-hmm. into this trance and download this information. And I think it became more popular with him. But it's been around for a long, long time. And I don't doubt that people have been accessing this information for, you know, for probably thousands of years in different ways. Right. You said that um, it was a feeling of love. Have you ever been in this area and felt fear? Never. Not once. The only, I will say before I do a reading, before I do a property clearing, if the place is really has a lot of activity and maybe so not such nice activity, I will feel fear maybe before I go into the record or not. Maybe I don't know if fear is the right word. Maybe more like a resistance. Like uh, there are some, there are a couple of property clearings I've gotten where I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know? And I notice that come up in me. And that honestly just means it needs to be done more than, you know, more than person other ones per se. But when I go into the records, I've never felt anything but love. And you've obviously read a lot of records from people. How I'm sure you read your own records. How difficult is it to find the record of someone you just met, like your client? Or or is it easy to find those records? Or do you need permission? If somebody guides you like a little? Yeah, you need permission. So if it's a client, you definitely need permission. If it's a loved one, you can go in, you can go in for them. Uh, You don't really necessarily need permission if it's someone that's very, very involved in your life that is like a love connection or someone that has a lot of energetic connection to you. 
We can all access our own records, but we need permission. We can't just go into the record of like a celebrity or someone else. Like we really do need that permission. And for my clients, it's really, it's almost easier if I just get their name and birthday and don't know them before, because then I know I'm not getting in my head. You know, I mean, that's kind of the thing with channeling is we're human, you know, and we don't want that human side of us, you know, putting in that that uh, those they're two that two cents. So when I do a reading for a loved one, it's actually a little more challenging. Like I, I will definitely spend a little more time centering myself and saying, please make sure I'm, you know, I'm taking myself out of this. I'm getting truth. I will check my pendulum like five times for an answer to make sure that it is truth and not my own subjective, you know, opinion about something, it's actually really a lot easier if it's for someone I don't know. Why do you need permission? If it's there, I mean, why would you have to have permission to see it? It's because it's messing with someone's energy. I mean, when you're opening their Akashic record, that is their soul information. So it's just, it's proper, you know, to ask for information. It's like going into someone's home, you know, you'd ask him for me, you'd ask for permission before going into their home. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Can you destroy records or change them? We ask for, we, I don't think that you can destroy them. I don't think that guides would allow that, but we can energetically affect them. You know, that's what I actually ask for permission to do with my clients. I think that's another reason is I'm asking for some things to be deleted. I'm asking for things to be removed and I need my client's permission to do that. And not only will I ask at the end of the Akashic reading, I will ask my guides and their guides to do the clearing, but I also give my clients a 21 day prayer because I want their intention behind it. Like they need to be looking at the report I give them and say, yeah, I'm ready to remove these blocks and restrictions. I'm ready to get rid of this karma that was blocking me or this negative belief or whatever it is that's found. Sometimes the magic happens like with the clearing that I do, but usually it's within that 21 day prayer that the energy shifts. Do you think anybody can access these records? Yeah, anyone that, you know, has that intention and has the ability to kind of quiet the mind and go inward, I do feel like, yeah, absolutely. I had, um, I went through Linda Howell's program. Nice. Trying to, and without success. Mm -hmm. I only went through it once, uh, you know, admittedly, it was only one round, so I didn't put as much effort as I could have into this. What do you, if you had a suggestion for me going back through that training once again, what would it be? Would it be slowing down? Because I'm good at meditating. I don't have a problem. I meditate multiple times every day. But when it comes to opening myself up to that energy, I found it a little more difficult. Anything you would suggest that might help me? I think it's a lot of trust, too. Again, you might, you know, I know I was very hung up. I wanted to see things. Because for me, that made it reality. You know, for other people, they could feel like they're going psychotic if they saw things. But for me, I was like, I want to see things. I want to hear that voice for you because you did hear that voice, you know, in Jade Shaw's experience. You might be clear audience, like however it is you receive information, but relaxing on how it's going to come and not really putting out, okay, I need to see things. Really, it's that developing that trust, 
like, okay, I do feel kind of warm now, or okay, I am feeling the energy of love, or, you know, really just tuning into how you're feeling, instead of projecting out, you know, our human minds are, are our worst enemies sometimes, you know, with just really hanging on to how that information needs to come through. Got it. You know, I'm highly intuitive. So I have that going for me. Probably my greatest gift is that ability and ability to read energy. But I can't. Some of these modalities that I hear so many people participating in, I have difficulty with. So um, it's usually when we get out of our own way. You know, again, the Kashik readings, it was so interesting for me, Russ, because like I think my teacher said to do three or four sample readings. I think I did eight or nine. You know, it's just that that trusting oneself and really. yeah. And each time I do one, I've done hundreds, if not, you know, definitely over a thousand readings. I'm still like, when I give it to the client, like amazed, like, wow, that resonated. That's so cool. You know, like just yeah. this like humility yeah. and um, yeah, not putting our humanness on it, but really relaxing into it. And yeah, any guided meditations that you can get that just take you a little bit deeper. Maybe it is because I know with like the astral projection, certain ways to roll out of the body didn't resonate with me, you know, so maybe it's just finding that sweet spot for you that feels like you are able to access it. Maybe something will just make it a little easier. Maybe there are different kind of entries that you can look at and one will resonate strongly. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's all just going to come together at one moment. Yeah. There'll be some big event that changes everything. Who knows? Can we check the answers to make sure they're correct when, you know, in the accuracy of these things? I use my trusty pendulum. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's especially when it's someone close to me or it's something that, you know, if it's someone I've known for a long time, it is very challenging to be like, I want to be sure I'm getting truth, you know, doing these for my kids, doing these for, you know, my boyfriend, like I want to be sure doing it even for myself. Like I want to be sure that I'm getting truth and not letting my mind get in the way. So what do you find the greatest benefit of using these records? It really is empowering to learn more about ourselves at soul level. I break the reading into a couple parts. I always give the soul profile first because we tend to be so we're human. You know, we, we tend to attach to the negative. I want to know my blocks or restrictions. I want to know what past karma, but really it's empowering to know our gifts. It's empowering to know what life lesson we chose. It's empowering to know our soul specialization. So I think that knowing those things, knowing who we are at soul level, there's this thing called energetic realms of training. So I'm feeling like you are probably a Kamilite like me, which some of those aspects are constant student, you know, con- always, always taking classes, always taking classes, always wanting to learn yep. more, a constant seeker of knowledge. Mm-hmm. One thing though, too, is Kamilites cannot really do things in a linear fashion. Like if you were to say to me, sit in a room for 10 hours and do this one task, that would be torture. I'm very much like I'll do something for half an hour, an hour and be very focused and then need to go over here and go over there. Oh my goodness, and yes. so sometimes the shoulds can come up with Kamilites because we feel like, oh, well, I should be able to do this or I should be doing this now. So really that kindness to oneself when that occurs and just knowing, hey, we're very intuitive and are, you know, we're focused on something else right now, really just intuitively being led to, okay, I'm going to be focused on that right now and giving ourselves permission to move on. 
also comulites are very good manifestors and we think about a million thoughts a minute. So it's usually very scrambled signals. So to be able to be like, you know what, I need to set intentions every day. I'm so happy you meditate every day. That is sending the clear signal of what we want, of that connection, of how we're doing, of what kind of state we're in. So many people just don't even tune into that and they're just kind of going through the motions every day. So, and very effective. Comulates are also very affected by other people's energy. So it's really important to get in our own energy, at least, you know, for a little bit of time every day because we can, are empathic. We can pick up other energies and not even realize they're another person sometimes. Yeah, I totally believe that. It attaches to us. Every yes. every encounter we have, everywhere we go, affects yeah. us energetically. Um, even if you're just in the checkout line, everyone that's hang- you're around in that checkout line. I mean, you're exchanging energy. And I, I don't believe that a lot of people have quite grasped that concept, yet, and especially the people that you're hanging around the most. So we need to be really careful about the people we choose to hang around regularly because they are affecting us in ways that are invisible. That is huge too. And there's that Jim Rohn quote, we become like the top five people we spend the most time around. Absolutely. It is important to assess and reassess that. And I I think that's been the hardest part of my spiritual journey is, uh, you know, I've moved on, you know, or, you know, separated from people I thought would be on this journey with me forever, you know, but you know, giving yourself permission to, you know, be the highest version of yourself and know that, you know, blessing everyone along the way, not, you know, but being discerning in where your energy is spent and how you're getting replenished. That's, that's great advice for anybody. Absolutely. Anybody. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you think would be important for someone who is uh, considering learning how to read these records? Or obviously, uh, we'll give you the information. They can contact you and get a reading from you if they want. But uh, is there any uh, anything you would recommend to me that would uh, help me get this thing started and, and actually have an experience? Yeah, I think it is consistency. I mean, you know, speaking from someone that's tried astral projection like 20 different times in my life, you know, a couple of, you know, and I had only a couple of experiences. It really is putting that energy and intention in like, yeah, this is important to me. You know, I really want to do this. But also it's it's so challenging being human because it's putting in that energy and the intention, but also detaching from the result, like being like, you know, you don't need it to happen this time. That's the hard thing as humans, we usually hang on to things so tightly. And I know that some of my most spiritual experiences have been when I wasn't looking for it. You know, it's, it's just like when I astral projected out of my body, I wasn't consciously trying to do it that, that first or second time. So really kind of that letting go, but finding something that resonates with you too. Like if you find that the you know, the script to go in or whatever you're listening to isn't resonating, trusting that you're intuitive. You know, there's a ton of different scripts. There's a ton of different Akashic record teachers. There's probably a, you know, a ton of different uh, meditations online to enter the record. So really like trusting yourself too, maybe trying a couple different ones and seeing which one really resonates. What do you think is the organizer of these records? Whew, that's a big one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think of it like this huge database in the sky, like just, um, yeah, it's energy. It's information. Just like, you know, the internet is energy and information. Is there, yeah, there must be, is there one grand computer, you know? 
Right. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people, when they think about this stuff, it sounds like woo-woo stuff because we're looking at it from a human perspective. Right. right? We're not looking at it from an energetic perspective. And that's how I began to wrap my head around this a little bit. There's a lot of modalities that are spiritual that I'm, I want to delve into and just learn about that really don't make sense to me. Tarot cards, one of those things. I mean, uh, beyond chance to me, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. And I've had a number of people try to explain it to me and I'm, I still haven't seen that yet, but the Akashic records make perfect sense to me for some reason. It is woo woo. Right. There's no question. There's a little bit of woo woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you have to understand a certain level of the energetics of just what we are, what we're made of and how it's connected to everything to for that to halfway make sense to you. So, yeah, I got a couple more questions. for Go you. ahead. This one, a little bit off the beaten path. What do you believe happens when we die? I do believe that we have some kind of review, but it's not like a. uh like a harsh critical <laughs> review, but that we're able to get a greater perspective that we're able to meet up with loved ones that we have just, yeah, this greater than human perspective of an understanding of a lot more of the things that happen in our life of the relationships we've had. I do feel like people meet up with loved ones when they pass. You know, I did, I, I was with my mom you know, her last few months. And I know that and was with my stepdad too. And I know that they both had people come in, you know, from the other side to kind of tell them it was okay to go. Uh, I do feel like, yeah, you have that connection there so that when you do go, you're met with love. You know, there's, there's not this <laughs> judgment or critical uh, sense like there is here, you know, this, this planet's pretty tough learning space. So I do feel there's met, met with a lot of unconditional love and beings that you recognize your soul family, and they are just able to have this greater perspective. And I do feel like you reincarnate over and over and over again, until you get to this point where you don't have to, you can choose to, I do feel like a lot of people here this time, like during this great change have chosen to come back because of this great change to be kind of facilitators and, and leaders and people calming people down, telling people things are okay. And just that's, I do feel like maybe that's why there's just so many different modalities. Everyone's so different, you know, but yeah, the, you know, some of what you were saying reminded me of Dolores Cannon. I loved how she would regress people back to the moments before birth yeah. and uh, what they're describing is and especially people who've had near death experiences, especially children, yeah. you know, who are describing something very similar to what those people or many of those people she had regressed back to the moments before birth, for heaven's sake, is it's fascinating to see how they're all describing something very similar in different ways. Yeah. So that to me is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And not to walk around fearing death all the time, too. I mean, I think that's so freeing. Too to be like, oh, we get to do this again and again. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I'm wrapping my head around the fact that we're just energy, we're not plugged in like a refrigerator, mm -hmm. right? We're pure energy trapped in this body that you can't kill or create energy. It has to go somewhere. That to me, I mean, yeah, there's no fear of death when you can wrap your head around it. There's really not. Hey, look, you offer a lot of readings. You have life path focus reading, Akashic reading, uh, energy work, and mentoring and other stuff. How do people get in touch with you? JennyMannion.com, J-E-N-N-Y-M-A-N-N-I-O-N.com. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much, Jenny. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'd like to get back to you again sometime so that we can actually talk about some of these other modalities. I would love that, Russ. I could talk to you forever. You have a lot of skills. I would love to delve into that brain. Thank you so much. (laughs) I would love to continue the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate you. And for the listener, if you have a story to tell, call now, 864-259-2599. Maybe you have an interesting story to tell, such as you've seen a ghost. Maybe you've had some astral travel experience or read the Akashic records. Or maybe you've seen an unidentified flying object. Or maybe you just want to talk about your beliefs. I'm open to everything. Call 864-259-2599. It's all connected at RussJohnson.com. 